Yes, hello there and welcome to Join Up Darts. This is an archive show, which means that I'm not here at the moment, but it's, it's all pre-recorded. But it does give you just a glimpse of what's been happening on the iTunes number one business entrepreneur show since we launched. Now, this show is different and you'll hear laughter, tears, shocking stories, real life turmoil, and of course, the kind of success blueprint that will change your life forever. If you want the dream life, then all the answers are here. Now, these are the old episodes, so to get right up to date listening to the latest stuff, then simply search Join Up Dots, click subscribe, and never miss an episode again. And of course, over at joinupdots.com, you can get instant access to our free 12-day podcasting course or loads of amazing free downloads to kickstart your own entrepreneurial journey, all made by my own fair hand. So let's get on with the show. You've got a lot of catching up to do after all. Enjoy. When we're young, we have an amazing positive outlook about how great life is going to be. But somewhere along the line, we forget to dream and end up settling. Join Up Dots features amazing people who refuse to give up and chose to go after their dreams. This is your blueprint for greatness. So here's your host, live from the back of his garden in the UK, David Ralph. Good morning to you, world. Good morning to every one of you. I love you all. I really do love you all because you are the ones who make this show. My listener figures are going through the roof at the moment, and it's only down to you guys listening, downloading, sharing it with your friends, and really sort of boosting it. So thank you so much. I just wanted to start with a a simple thank you so much for making the show what it's become. Um, Episode 96 is the 2nd of August, so we're ticking on through the year, and we're ticking on through the guests as well and today's guest is someone who as we discuss time and time again on join up dots can pinpoint the moment when his life changed forever he knows he's big dot on the join up dots timeline in january of 2009 after seeing his career flourish he was laid off and found himself unemployed for three months and within those three months he started learning about himself pretty good time don't just lay there on the sofa playing minecrafter start learning about yourself and uh, he found out what he wanted to achieve in his life and how he wanted his life to be the key thought to everything he started planning at the time was in his words i really discovered how working for someone else is just as risky as working for yourself. So he began his personal leadership blog, which he uses as a platform to share what he'd learned about leadership, personal development, personal branding, and how to develop a leadership mindset. So we have a lot to cover. So let's bring on to the show to start joining up dots, the one and only Mr. Ellery Wells. How are you today, Ellery? I'm good. I'm I'm a little impressed. Well, very impressed about that intro. You've done some research. I've done a lot of research about you. Yeah, no kidding. I I like to stalk. I stalk virtually. I'm not brave enough to stalk in real life. So this is this is something that I'm <laughs> I, I'm liking. I I trawl websites, looking at old pictures and Facebook and little things like that. And it's um yeah, it, it's you you've had a bit of a fascinating life, haven't you? So let, let's just start with where you are. I believe that you're in Texas. I am. I am in Texas, just uh, about 30 miles north of Austin. I've been to Austin. Literally, every place in America, I always have a little story about, and it normally has to do (laughs) with alcohol and drunkenness and vague (laughs) memories of the place. But I have to... What are your vague memories? What are your vague memories of Austin? Bad traffic and... And good weather. <laughs> no, I remember playing um, uh, playing this this police chief 
there was there, there was a place um, somewhere near you. No, it wasn't. It that was in New Mexico. There was uh, I've had two sort of run-ins with the law in America, and um, Uh-oh. well, it's quite good. I find the law are actually quite pleasant once they realise that you're English and you don't know what you're doing out there. And um, this this one guy who was in um, Austin kept on stopping us and we were lost and we were just driving around and after sort of about the third time he said to us you know look i'm off duty soon why don't you come and play 10 pin bowling so there's a 10 pin bowling place somewhere in austin i don't know where it was and uh, we went yeah okay we'll come along so he sort of went along with his, his lights flashing and we followed him to this this bowling alley and we played these these coppers these these police people who were off duty and of course we won and afterwards we then took them into the bar somewhere near this bowling alley and we had we had drinking sessions to about three o'clock in the morning and the bar apparently closed at like one o'clock but just because they were in there it just kept on going on 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 the 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 police the police in austin have got powers that i wouldn't believe have you have you done anything like that have you frequented alcohol with the local the local plod as we call them in the uk (laughs) <laughs> no, I haven't, but I'm kind of curious about, of course, we won at bowling. What do you mean by, a, are you saying that people in Austin can't bowl? <laughs> what are you saying, Dave? <laughs> I just think that we were focused. I, I, I think, uh, okay. I think the, the, the American police, I think they were resting <laughs> on their laurels, really. And us, us Brits, we were focused because you don't want to lose in a foreign country, do you? No, well, you took a risk though. Uh, beating beating the police at their own game. I don't know. They might have uh, thrown you in the slammer. And I had my best score ever, <laughs> two hundred. Never, never gone beyond that. Never. Normally, I get about one hundred and eighty, but I was on two hundred. I was like a man possessed. You were motivated. <laughs> yeah. Every time I picked up the ball, it just kind of flew off my hand. It, it was like my my hand was making love to it, and it responded to my touch. <laughs> That's good. I I am nowhere near that good at bowling. I don't bowl that often, but um, <laughs> and to answer your other question, no, I don't think I've I've been drinking with too many police officers. No, it's it's not a wise thing to do. I, I don't know how we got away with it. <laughs> so so, what do you do in Texas? Because obviously you've got a lot on your plate at the moment, building your brand. So when you're not focused on that, what does Ellery Wells do with his time? Ah, uh, I I. Well, stay inside in the summer and it's it's hot i mean it's uh only like 95 today it's not the hottest summer we've had but sometimes it gets you know 110 degrees which i don't even know what that is in in celsius but it's it's warm uh i stay inside i like video games and t- uh, tv and movies when it's cool i enjoy you know a beer or wine on the back porch with a with a cigar uh enjoy golf i'm terrible at it but uh like playing and sometimes i go to the pool not all that often but uh i i I work a lot david i'm sure you do too you were just telling me before we started recording how much time you're spending on this podcast and i i can connect with that i can agree it's it's one of those things that's taken me by surprise, Ellery. I honestly thought that when I quit my, my corporate gig, I was going to have a life of luxury. And mm-hmm. I certainly haven't got to that point at the moment. And part of me <laughs> kind of thinks, no, that's good. That is good because I'm learning absolutely the nuts and bolts of it all. And so when I do hand over certain things to, say, a virtual assistant, which is going to be my plan, I will know that 
part that role inside out so if that virtual assistant starts saying to me oh it's taking eight hours to do that i'll go no it's not i can do it in about 25 minutes what you (laughs) what you're doing so i think there's been a a big learning curve which is gonna hold me in good stead as we move on but certainly the learning curve for, for the hours the hours and you know i don't want to make this sound like a misery guts talking because i love this i love this better than anything but it has taken me by surprise how much time it takes to get everything going so you can almost put it on automatic pilot yeah it take it does take a lot of work but i think you're doing the right thing i don't know exactly how long you've you, it's been since you were in the the corporate environment but i think the people who just kind of go immediately into outsourcing or offloading to a va i think there's there's a little bit that they they do miss, you know, what what does it really take to edit a podcast? And through that editing process, you do learn, hey, I can do this a little bit different, do this a little bit better, streamline things. And you as a person or as the host or just as a business, you, you get better by doing the stuff that's not quite as glamorous as you might have dreamed it to be. It's just by putting in the work, you get better, so... But but no job is really glamorous when it becomes a job. I, right. I, I was talking to a chap the other day who's an airline pilot, and you kind of go, that's a sexy job. You know, they, they get the uniform, they've got their little bags, and they walk along with the women, and they go straight to the front of the queue. And he, he was saying that the majority of airline pilots want to get out of it because it's just long hours. It's like being a big – it's like being a taxi that flies. And yeah. I thought that was a glamorous job. He said, no, far from it. And I suppose, you know, this job that I'm doing now will – seem glamorous to other people certain things that i look at you know like a, a professional football player you kind of go oh that must be great but then oh it's the training and looking after yourself and all that kind of stuff you know it's, it's all got its fours and against doesn't it uh yeah yeah podcasting or being on this kind of internet radio seems seems pretty glamorous like you said but you know yesterday i start i had a mastermind that um that started at 6 a.m and i went 10 or 10 hours or so not with those guys but 10 hours without leaving (laughs) leaving my office i think last monday i put in 17 hours of stuff trying to get ready for a a course launch and there there's a lot of uh unsexy parts to it but but i i I like what you said though david it's you wouldn't you wouldn't trade it for the world i wouldn't i wouldn't want to go back to the to concrete and steel building for for anything this I love doing this as much as much work as it is as as much of these long hours and forgetting to eat lunch and you know all of that kind of stuff I I love it and I it sounds like you do too I'm going to offer you a job, Ellery, right? It's in, a, it's in a corporate place, <laughs> the other side of Austin, and it's $380,000 a year. Would you take it? It depends on what it was. You were just saying that you wouldn't give this up for anything, and I threw the first well, thing in front of you, and you were seduced. I, I, I was, but you didn't say how many hours it was and what I'd be doing. You would be... But most likely, no. No? Because <laughs> I, I once offered a girl in my office, my ex-office, and um, if you're listening now, Melanie Pettit... The offer is still there. And I said to her, you know, well, when, when I start this job, I need a PA and I will pay you 50 grand a year. And she said, I'll take it. And uh, I said, but the trouble is I can't afford a chair. So you've got to sit on my lap for the entire time. And um, 
she she's still in deliberation and obviously this is something that hasn't gone via the wife but the job offer <laughs> is is still there if you want it melanie Petter, if you're still listening um and i really feel like googling her right now yeah. <laughs> to see who that is. She, she's the one that's looking slightly shocked um in in google images yeah um but yeah you you can get kind of seduced to to jobs but i've learned in the past that when the money's the highest it's the most unhappy that i've ever been due to the fact that the, the companies own you and you do have to jump through hoops to justify that kind of money when anyone says to me i'm earning x amount of money now part of me kind of goes oh good on you and the other part thinks oh i don't think i'd like to do that anymore what if, David, I just kind of came up with this idea on the spot, but what if instead of like, oh, I make $380,000 or $80,000 or or whatever whatever it is, what if we said I have 20 hours of free time every week or 30 hours of free time every week? What if we just change the currency from money to time? And I think that's where you and I uh, have, well, I think we have a lot in common actually, but I, what that's, that's an interesting concept. Oh, I make X amount of dollars instead of, oh, I make... X amount of free time, and I can do what I want, when I want, from wherever I want. Just an interesting idea that you just gave me. I'm going to trademark that before you before you Uh-oh. run off and become a multimillionaire <laughs> with that. But um, well, you're right. It's, it's not all. It's not all about the money. It's I I took a, a huge huge pay cut uh, from like eighty percent. If our household dropped eighty percent in in money, but the the freedom the the re- different type of stress, but a better kind of stress, and and the freedom to to talk to you, you know, on the middle of the day on a, on a Thursday, even though this is going out in the future, but just the flexibility and the free time. It's not all about the money. And as soon as, as soon as society or the culture just kind of wakes up to the fact that, you know, if you could make less money but have a bunch more freedom you'd be a whole lot happier because like you said when the more money you make the more stress there is the more the company owns you someone said on my show they called it the golden handcuffs and i think that's a really really good uh, good analogy like so the more you're tied the more money the more tied you are to it i suppose the thing is you know we're obviously kindred spirits the way we think but there are a lot of people that thrive on that and i this show isn't for you guys so if you're in a job where it's long hours and it's real pressure and you are somebody that loves that then good on you but certainly when i was in that situation it it almost destroyed me really i i wasn't mentally strong enough to go with that pressure day after day after day after day and i used to actually break out in like psoriasis round round the sort of side of my head and when i was off it would clear up and then as soon as i went back to work it would come back on again it was just pure pressure and stress that i was under oh yeah like you don't even want to take a vacation because you know the pile of crap that you're going to come back to when you're you head back to the office kind of stuff yeah, it's not good. But, but let, let's take you back because you are on Join Up Dots, so we are going to look at your progression. We're going to look at your history. And I'm looking All at right. a picture of you at the moment, and you do look happy as Larry. You've got a little goatee beard going on, and you just look <laughs> like a you look like a relaxed baby with a beard. I, I'll be honest. And <laughs> a relaxed baby. I've never been called a relaxed baby with a beard before. That's exactly what you look like. And um, you were somebody in January of 2009 who was 
laid off or sacked or, or made redundant or whatever it was. Now, when you look back on that, and I, I want to start with this question because it's something that we normally lead up to. Was yeah. it a, a really bad time in your life that you now look back on it and kind of go, actually, it was a terrible time in my life, but without that, I wouldn't be where I am now? W- would it be as clear cut to say that? I would. I wouldn't say it could have. It could have been worse. I could have had been married, had kids, and a mortgage, and all of those things. But I was single and paying rent, so I I didn't own a house or anything. So, but it it was pretty rough. I mean, I was about to uh, buy an engagement ring and and propose to my girlfriend and start that life together. And I had been out of college for two three years i guess and or should i say out of university i don't know the local lingo there <laughs> but i've been out of college for two or three years and i i was well educated i was hard working and being laid off just threw a wrench in the plan so like i said it could have been worse but yeah it was pretty rough have you had worse times then? Have you had times in the Join Up Dots timeline that you can actually go, no, that was my bottom, that was my lowest point? Or are you somebody that is quite blessed and has, has sort of floated through life quite happily? Uh, I, w- I would not say that I've just floated through life <laughs> happily, but um, yeah, there, there's been some some rough times in my life, not necessarily the last few years. I'm trying to think of one. Um, I think the, the, the bad parts for me is when things just don't go according to plan. It, but as soon as the words come out of my mouth, David, I mean, no, nothing really goes to plan. So uh, has there been this just huge, colossal uh, black mark on my life? I don't I don't know. There's been some tough parts and tragedies and things, but nothing that may fit your fit your example or what you're thinking of, I don't think. So I think you've been blessed. I think you're a bit like me, Ellie. Definitely. I, I've floated through life, and on the great scheme of things, nothing bad's ever happened to me. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I've never been, you know, deathly ill or, or homeless or... Uh, I mean, I've been broke before. I've been completely broke without a dollar to my name, but <laughs> I think most people could probably say that at some point in their life. So if if that's if that fits the bill, then absolutely. But uh, I I do I do feel blessed that you know there's there hasn't been this huge tragedy in my life. I've been surrounded with with good people. I've got great friends and good family and. So, uh, not that that's like a rags to riches story, but I, I, I don't know. Do, do you think that you've got a positive mindset? Because now, now you're doing your sort of personal branding and you're developing a leadership mindset. Do you think your mindset was always there? And it was a kind of leading question because it seems to me that everything that you do is about positivity and overcoming obstacles and challenging yourself. And the fact that I asked that question and you kind of went, oh, I can't really think of anything, you know, dreadful that happened. Things must have happened, but did you think you've always, as a small child even, had that positive mindset that you, you never looked on the dark side of life? It was always things were going to be uh, a silver lining. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever had a point in my life where 
uh, a mind period of having a certain mindset of, of looking at the dark side or of being negative. But I can't say though that I've always been positive, though, David. I I read a book. Um, looking at looking behind me on my bookshelf here, and I don't see it. it was it was by Norman Vincent Peale. I think it was. Oh, what was the name of it? Uh, the Power of Positive Living, maybe? And that's kind of, reading that book is where where I came up with kind of a personal motto for myself, and it's just, you can't make a positive change with a negative attitude. And nobody, it, sure, misery loves company, and it's it's fun to, to hang out with your buddies and just... Uh, complain about work and stuff like that but what are you really accomplishing by being negative nobody sure it, it's fun to go and do those complaining but it gets old real fast and you're not going to get anywhere you're not going to make a positive change in the world you're not going to impact your your boss or get a raise if you're negative so there's not a whole lot of point in doing that again it, it's fun to commiserate and you know, oh, this sucks, and wouldn't it be cool if, and all that. It's fun, too, for a little while, but it doesn't get anything done. And at least for the last couple of years, especially since reading that book, uh, that's that's kind of how I've tried to live my life. It wasn't a conscious decision. It was just kind of a over, over a period of time realization that there's got to be a better way than being negative all the time. It doesn't make you feel good either to be negative. You just get depressed and that's a downward spiral too. So might as well be positive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've never been um, a negative person in any shape or form, but I have tried to become even more positive. And generally there is a switch that the more positive you are, the better things that occur to you. And I, I read a book once, I can't remember what it was, and this chap said he put an elastic band on his wrist. It might have been Jack Canfield or, or someone like him. And he said every time he had a, a negative fault, he would twang himself with this elastic band. And he realised that his, his wrist was getting red raw because he kept on twanging this band. So he consciously stopped thinking negative thoughts. And he said as he stopped thinking them, the improvement in his life was astonishing because that positive outlook put himself more open to opportunities because he was actually you know pushing himself out there a bit more than he would have done before and things just incrementally improved for him and he put it right down to this changing his mindset by by twanging this elastic band on his arm every time a negative thought popped into his head he was training himself to become positive well for me it's it's almost uh, uh even more practical thing if you had gone to my website and you had just saw me or read me complaining and complaining and complaining. Would you ever want that type of attitude, or specifically me in this example, on your podcast and talking to your audience? The answer is probably no. And if you're looking at people who you could potentially learn from through a course that I have to offer or do business together and we we bring together you know some products to sell them to a collective group would you ever want to do that with someone who all they do is complain so from a practical standpoint too not just like hey it's all rainbows and butterflies and we're going to live happier if we think happier that's cool too but just from a strictly practical standpoint you don't want to do business with someone who's negative all the time it's going to bring you down it's going to bring the quality of your products and services and your message down too and 
it's not going to be any fun either. So, like I said, it's it's more than just a mindset. I, I try to be very practical too. And um, not that you're not, but just there's a practical side to being positive. Nobody wants to be associated with negative. So there there's there's benefits for, for both perspectives. So you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, but you've had many different areas. You know, when you was young, a real little person, you was very big on soccer which isn't yeah. common in sort of America, is it? It's, it's, it's more our kind of thing, as football as we call it. Um, and then you went into theatre. Now, that, that was a sort of strange transition. What, what did those things give you? Have they given you anything that you're, you've taken with you now? There has, actually. And growing up playing soccer, of course, it's a, or, or a football, Right. That's right. That's the way we talk. <laughs> That's the proper way. You know, as a side note, David, I was because we're we're right in the big middle or towards the end, I guess, of the the World Cup. We don't talk and about every... the World Cup. <laughs> was there a World Cup this summer? I don't think so. Being an Englishman, <laughs> I think I blanked it out. Well, every few years, there's this event where <laughs> sometimes. We all go into comas. That, that's it. Every four <laughs> years, we go into a coma, and then we come out three weeks later, and it's like a lovely dream. And I stretch my arms, and I fantasize that the world is a wonderful place. That, that, that's, what, that's what you're talking about, Ellery, isn't it? Exactly. This, this dream state that you're in for, for three weeks. But I was, I've, I was flipping through ESPN. I don't really watch sports, but it was these American guys talking about soccer, and they just sounded like idiots. But some British guys or you know Spanish folks or whatever talking about soccer, they sound so brilliant. And so it's just when the American guys talk about soccer, it's like they don't even – they don't sound cool. They don't look cool, and they just sound like they don't know what they're talking about. So that's just funny side note. It's funny to me, but yeah, I grew up playing soccer from about age four to sixteen or seventeen or so, and you learn how to you learn how to work with a team. And I learned. I went to a, um, a soccer camp at the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And I I got placed on the C team, not the A or B team, but the, the third best team. But I was able just through dumb luck or uh, I don't even – I can't attribute this to anything. But I was able to bring together the team as a unit where the A and B teams, they were all – they were full of people who thought they were all hot shots and they couldn't really work together. But I learned that if you work together, you can do a lot of interesting things. And we, we ended up being better than some of those, you know, A or B teams because we worked together and I kind of developed this spoke in the wheel uh, mentality. You know, I, I, I was in the middle of the field and people would give me, I just distribute it and let them use their strengths. So I learned that from playing soccer and then in theater, I kind of got scared into doing theater. My my teacher at the at the time, I was kind of afraid of, uh, uh, yeah, afraid of her, David. And she said, "Well, why don't you try out for our one act play, which is a, a forty minute, no scene change or anything like that, just a, a forty minute play." And I did, and I got a part. But through that process, I learned how to speak better, how to carry myself better, how to perform and really get out of my comfort zone and i did learn a lot through through that process as well 
Is, is getting out of your comfort zone, is that one of the key things that anyone can do to start moving towards success? If you're going, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to be successful, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And um, a guy by the name of Grant Cardone said this on a podcast I was listening to called um, Inspiration with Val. He said, in life, strangers have everything that you ever want. And when you think about growing up, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. At least we're taught that over here in the States. And he says, strangers have everything you want in life. And getting out of your comfort zone and talking to someone new might feel weird. For me, it is. I'm a very introverted person. Uh, but I like I like connecting with people. But talking to new people can be very difficult. But in business, you have to make these new connections. You know, if you wanted to get, you know, really strong and really athletic, you'd have to lift more weight than you think you can. If you wanted to run, you'd have to run farther than you think you can. And it's all about getting out of your comfort zone, doing something that you didn't think that you could do so that you can see that personal growth uh, to get you further than you thought you could go. It is amazing. It sounds like a small child is in the background. Is is, is a, a baby or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you heard that. My my office door is closed, and that is my cat outside. Oh, that was your cat. Your cat banging on the door trying to get in. Um, I've got very good ears. Across the pond, we can pick up anything. So when, no kidding. When, so what was it in theatre? It wasn't sort of um show tunes and all that that sort of pushed you in. It was just this scary teacher that sort of pushed you into that, was it? Uh, absolutely, and I'm not ashamed to say it. There were two. There were two theatre teachers in my high school, and one was kind of known for being really laid back and kind of the easy, easy, good grade. And the other one, uh, Mrs. Shaw or Miss Shaw, she was not known as being very friendly. She was very strict and she didn't put up with the crap that, you know, high school students want to get away with. And I, I went to theater because I didn't want to do art like the painting and drawing part and I didn't want to do band playing instruments and stuff so I went into theater and in one of her classes one day we were doing an improv thing and I don't remember exactly what the improv was but she said afterward she said hey uh, or let me back up I applied to get into theater you know took the class and my luck I got the what I thought was going to be the mean teacher so <laughs> yeah it was it was it wasn't it didn't go as planned but she said hey i think you'd be good to to try out for the show and we have auditions coming up i'd like why don't you try out and i was like uh if i don't she's gonna fail me you know i was, I was scared of her i didn't i didn't know what she would do so i tried out and uh, i guess i did good enough to get a spot in the the play and uh, that that's one of those things. I mean, when you're talking about joining up all of all of the dots, that's definitely one of the things that has helped me today. Because I, I go to a, a Toastmasters group, and I can see a difference in me from these other people who might not have, who probably didn't have that that exposure. So I did group theater. You know, there was a, a troupe of us. We we performed all together, and I also did some solo things too. Um, you know, by myself uh, reciting things. And I went, I competed at the state level for that. I was in the top 12 in the state for, I think it was poetry uh, one year. Can you uh, remember? All by myself. 
uh, only vaguely. It was it was uh, you know who Jim Henson is, the guy that does the puppets. Yeah, Mister like Kermit. The, yeah, uh, I think it was either him or his son. He wrote these little short short poems, and they were funny. And the very the what I opened with, and I. It's kind of a, a deadpan type of humor, but it says, uh, the, so I opened up my little performance. I think they were about six minutes long, and I said, Santa got Sally a teddy bear for Christmas, not knowing she had been mauled by a bear earlier that year. Can you can you do it in Kermit's <laughs> voice for us? Well, it wasn't Kermit. I, 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 I changed uh, different accents. I practiced and had a vocal coach and stuff like that, but I don't think we want to do that. Go on, go but on. it was just—it was. Just, I tell you what, it's my, it's my like show. That. It's my show, right? And I've become Miss Shaw suddenly, so I'm going to bully you into this. So Uh-oh. you either sing or you do Kermit. Which which one are you going to do? I don't even know what a Kermit would sound like. I'm going to need an example for that. Oh, I'm it's very really nice to be here. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, it's the Muppet Show with a special guest star, Mr. Ellery Wells. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. I would uh, where I would begin with that. Right. So it's singing then. It's <laughs> it's singing. We've moved over to there. Oh well, that's that's just going to disappoint the audience. I I've never been called a good singer before. <laughs> no, we 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 won't push you into that. But I I've just I, I watched the Muppets recently, and I've just been walking around the house for some reason. I don't know why. Doing talking like Kermit. Then. <laughs> trying to talk like Kermit. It's one of these things, and I've been trying to talk like Kermit doing that speech that Liam Neeson does in Taken. You know, when he says, <laughs> I, I, I know where you are. I will find you, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've just been doing that with my kids all the time, and they, oh, Dad, stop it, stop it, stop it. But I go, oh, I know who you are. I will hunt you down, and I will kill you. <laughs> That's good. I wasn't expecting to do, do that on the show, really. I, I, I think you should you should practice practice your Texan accent and and impress all of us. What is a Texan accent? Uh, How would you describe <laughs> it? Not as as country as you would think. Most people, whenever you watch, at least on American television, they always put Texas people like with hats and cowboy boots and all that. And and that's definitely. Uh, I mean, there's some of that here, but it always bugs me. We're getting we're getting stereotyped as these. We're all cowboys here, and that's not that's not the case. So I don't know what the accent uh, would be. We say y'all a lot in the United Kingdom. Whenever anyone talks about cowboys, we think of Brokeback Mountain. Now, it's Thanks. It, it Thanks. always it always seems to be connected. I don't know why. Obviously, because we're not surrounded by cowboys that can tell us off for thinking that. And there's no mountains in Texas, so we're safe. <laughs> so you're safe, absolutely. So, so what do you love about your life now? Let's, you know, January 2009, you was laid off, and you you were unemployed for three months, and you learned a lot about yourself by reading these positive books and stuff. But how do you take that idea of there's more to me than I've been offering? The risky approach is actually working for someone else, and actually 
turn it into a business? Because there's so many people listening in today. I'm sure they're not here just to listen to me doing stupid Kermit impressions. They're trying <laughs> to find that, that stepping point where they can take that leap of faith and actually probably follow your path, follow my path and, and create an income for themselves, which is all theirs. So how did you do that? How did you transition from that idea to actually being able to earn income? It, it was a long it was a long process, David. I so that happened in uh, 2009, like you said, and I worked on a, a fiction book, never published it, but I started writing. Got another couple jobs after that, and um, went back to work in in the corporate environment, and I liked it. But I I have since come to realize that if you have a job and work for a person or a company. All of your eggs are in one basket. And as soon as they don't want you anymore or they don't need you anymore, all of your eggs are just dumped out and you're, you're scrambling to figure out what to do next. But the process for me started in 2012, just so three years after I got laid off. But I started, I started blogging and, and sharing the things that I was learning about leadership, personal development, productivity, those kinds of things. I started sharing that with friends and coworkers and made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, just didn't things I didn't know. I mean, I didn't I didn't really know what blogging was for a very long time and I surely didn't know how to be very successful. So I I gave myself a really long runway to get going and it, it honestly wasn't even until about four months ago that I figured out what my purpose was. And, you know, listening to this podcast where, you know, if you're driving down the, the, the road or you're out, you know, doing something in the yard, the question that you should ask yourself is, what do I want to be known for? When I'm, when I'm gone, what is the legacy that I'm going to leave? Are people going to say, he was a funny guy. Is he going to say, or are they going to say, you know, he helped me get out of debt and save money? For me, it was, I wanted people, you know, at, at my funeral, it goes back to begin with the end in mind from the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that Stephen Covey wrote. One of those habits is begin with the end in mind. And he says, you know, imagine you're at your funeral three years from today. What do you want people to say about you? A friend, a coworker, and a family member. And I wanted people to say about me that I helped them whether they knew it or not. I was providing value to them, you know, sending referrals to them, whatever it was. I was helping those helping people whether they even knew it or not. And when I figured out what I wanted to be known for, it was just kind of like a light bulb went went off for me, David. All these random projects that I'd been working on for the last couple of years, uh, different tasks, different projects, different you know products, they all seemed to come together under this idea of getting technology, uh, technology roadblocks and financial roadblocks out of the way to help entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs start something interesting. And again, once I figured out what I wanted to be known for, what my purpose on this earth was, things that were random became unified and I had more energy and, and more excitement for what I was doing. But it took me two years of daily 
activity, reading, blogging, listening to podcasts, whatever. It took me a lot of hard work to figure that out. But once I did, it was pretty cool. It's amazing, isn't it? But what, what you're saying, you're, you're finding your unique self, basically, and you're playing to your strengths. And it is amazing how things can become so easy when you are finally finding the things that you should be doing. And as you say, all those kind of fragmented bits, it's almost like having live Tetris and you've got these shapes coming down all the time and you're struggling to get them into the right position. But then suddenly when you find your thing, everything's easy and you can just click and it all moves into place and all falls down into into the positions that it should be. And at that point, it should mean that your income is going up because you're then providing more value to people because you are providing the things that they want. Have you found that? When the month after I left my job, I made more money than I had made in two years of blogging and podcasting before that. It just by putting the extra dedication into it, putting more of the more time into it. So to answer your question yes and just to share some advice with you and the listeners that i i've picked up along the way is if you're blogging and i think it was Derek halpern who said this he said write blog posts that precede a sale so that come before the sale and i think it's oh gosh i just uh what's his name uh, another guy that I know, he talks about giving away like 80 or 90% of your information and then charging for the last little bit. And those are really powerful things when you're looking at turning your, your ideas and yourself into a product or your message into something that you can you can make money and make a living with. Those are things that are, are those are, those are things that we have to do. Does that um, answer your question? I don't know if it does. It does. It answers my question perfectly because what you're doing, you're speaking from the heart and you're saying the kind of nuggets of gold that have been given to you, they're not full realized answers, but you need to take that information that people share with you and find out how it works in your in your own world. And that's the thing that everyone has to do out there. They, they can't replicate other people's success. They've just got to try to do their own things. And you're doing your own thing. So it's quite difficult to actually explain clearly what you're doing in certain regards, because it's it's just your thing. Does that make sense to you? It does. It's always interesting how the the podcast host can. I, I, I forget this unique talent on, when I'm being a guest, but as the host, I can do it too. Take the the ramblings of the guest and summarize it in like ten words or less, and make it sound like, oh yeah, that's that's what I meant to say. So you you said what I said in a, in a much shorter, better way. So thank you for clarifying for everybody out there listening Oops. no problem at all and i'm going to play a couple of people that have taken words now and have actually reduced it down to maybe 30 words but how powerful <laughs> these are and the very first one that i've started throwing into the show now and uh, i play it literally every show as long along with steve Jobs' speech which is the the theme of the show is this one and this is this is jim carrey recently and i i love this so i've started playing this almost on every show so have a listen to see what jim carrey he thinks about life. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father. 
not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. That's pretty much what you're saying. The risky, the risky choice is actually now working for other people because your passions aren't in there. Generally, your passions aren't in there. And at any point, it can be taken away from you. That's very, exactly. That's very true. And even if you're, if you're somewhat successful at doing something that you're not 100% passionate about, you will always be outperformed by someone who is passionate about that. That's why I was so good at selling technology for, for so long, and I started racking up awards and trophies because I love doing it, but I started to lose passion for it. And if, you know, just like you said, you might as well do something that you're passionate about because if you, if you don't, you're always going to be playing second fiddle to someone who is passionate about whatever you are doing. I, I lost my passion in my, my role. I was a, a financial trainer. And people who are listening to this who used to work with me will know what I'm talking about. But there was a point that I thought I was really good and I could out-train anyone. And then, although I was still training to the best of my abilities, I felt like my abilities weren't where they used to be, and it was time to actually reassess. I think the phrase is, I just kind of lost my mojo and the passion that I had for it, which I'm feeling now on the mic doing this show, just kind of diminished my talents. And I was very aware that the next person was going to come along who was going to outperform me and they were going to sort of say, well, he's not as good as he used to be. And I couldn't I couldn't fight that comment because I knew it myself. Yeah, I, I can see a, a, a definitely a parallel in my own career just where it was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it just, well, I wouldn't even would say slowly faded. It quickly faded uh for me and i just that's when you asked earlier about having a negative outlook i think that's that's probably one of the more negative parts of my life is when i lost the passion for uh what i was doing in my corporate job and that's that began this slide into becoming unemployable of i know too much to go into a job anymore and so that was probably one of the more negative parts in my life when i just became jaded with what i was with what i was doing it, it wasn't blogging and podcasting so i was grumpy and not happy until i was back at my home office writing and and talking to people like you for my show well, when you see, as you say, you know too much, when you see the opposite side and you see how other people are living kick-ass lives, it is quite difficult to keep motivated because that's certainly what happened to me. I suddenly knew too much and I could see through a window what the world was doing and I was thinking, why, why not me? Why, why am I just coasting? Why am I not actually playing to my strengths? Why am I not providing value to the world? Why am I not enjoying myself? And those answers mm -hmm. kept on coming back to me. You've got to leave. You've got to leave. You've got to leave. You've got to do it. And there was devil and angel sitting on my shoulder saying, oh, no, you can't afford this. And the devil was saying, go on, just try. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? And now I would always listen to the devil on my shoulder because I think that's the one that actually plays the risky card. And takes you out of your comfort zone and pushes you a bit more than the the angel that kind of almost 
protects what you've got and, and keeps you in the zone that you're comfortable with. And I, I don't think that zone is good for anyone because ultimately you do lose your edge and ultimately you, your salary will go down and you're no longer the shiny thing in the office and other people are playing, you know, what you used to do really well, even better. And you kind of think, why Why am I not doing that anymore? Why am I not being invited to these these meetings? Why am I not doing that? And it's just because it's a slight, slight, slight decline all the time of your strengths, your passion, and your mojo. Have you used that analogy before about choosing the, the, the devil side instead of the angel side before? Nope, just came out of me then. First time I've ever thought about it. I, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I kind of want you to keep talking about that because you it's like is this the risky thing to do or is this the safe thing to do and it's it it's it's rarely black and white in in the world it's just kind of these these differences of gray nothing is 100% right or 100% wrong but the this kind of analogy that you said the the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other one does seem to say just just play it safe it'll be all right it'll be all right and the other one's like do something interesting do something crazy and we're we've we've already talked about life being lived at the edge of your comfort zone and that's how you grow i i i like this analogy that you've that you've brought up i mean it's that could be that could be a life-changing way to think about things, David. I like that. I think what it's saying really is that little voice in your in your head that we all have or that little voice in your heart that gets excited but feels nervous, feels um, unwilling to take that step. I think the devil is the one that's actually talking to yourself. And I don't like the phrase devil because that, that so- sort of sounds wrong. But it is the one that actually will make you conquer your fear and make you take that first step. And generally, I've always found now, well, no, not even generally, Ellery, I will say this all the time. The things that actually scare me stupid now are the things I now focus in on. And I don't like doing it at all because it's scary, but I still do that. And once I've done it, it wasn't too bad. And actually, I've just moved on a bit and, and life is getting better and better and better. And it's it's that kind of almost mental elastic band that you're tying yourself down to your position, but you need to just stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. And ultimately, it's going to snap. And then you're going to get another elastic band. And it's going to hold you in that position for a little while. But then you can push on, push on, push on. And then it just it just moves you on. And if you look at all the sort of mega successful people, they weren't mega successful straight away. They all started on little steps and they've moved on, moved on, twang, elastic band's gone and they've had a little bit of luck and they've moved on again. again. But it's that constant pushing against it, pushing against it, but ultimately something's going to give and fingers crossed you're going to move into a better zone. Well, I going back to my theatre thing, I, I know I could have been a better actor or performer if I would have been able to say to myself, don't worry about people laugh at laughing at you for being, you know, this big character type actor. And then you just played a character, uh, a clip from Jim, uh, Jim Carrey. What if he had had the same experience or fell under the same, I don't know, peer pressure, or whatever, but fell victim to not wanting to be judged by his peers. I mean, we would, we wouldn't have one of the greatest movie comedians, in the last, you know, few several few decades or whatever. I mean, what you're what you're saying right now is really resonating with me. Just what if you could just 
ignore all of the naysayers and the people that you know are, are trying to keep you from doing something cool and just did it because most of the time though most of the time the people who are the the ones trying to keep you down they're the minority anyway most people are going to like you anyway but we focus on those few people that uh we're worried about what they would say but we if we asked ourselves and we really thought about it, we don't really give a crap what they have to say anyway it, um, so many people will anchor you and I'm going to play Steve Jobs in a moment because I think it really sort of emphasises what we're talking about here but so many people I find will anchor you to the position that you are in because they don't want you to uh, fall, come a cropper they don't want you to stumble they don't want you to fall they kind of love and want to protect you especially colleagues at work when you sort of say oh, I've got this idea about something uh, you're never going to do that you'll be here in four or five years and because they feel that way they will sort of anchor you to that position but I've noticed that when you do go no I'm doing this and move on then you will lose a certain amount of people that you were surrounded with but other people will fill that void and they are the people that are actually inspired by what you're doing and they are inspired and they're wanted to take that action and instead of them holding you back you're actually pulling them with you and i'm finding that more and more doing this that a lot of people have been reluctant to take that first step are using my steps as the footsteps forward they are following my dots and that's hugely yeah. in um in passionate and enthusiastic to me to think that that is happening and it makes me want to make bigger and bigger jumps to see how many jumps the people behind me will do as well that's a good point i mean we all need i don't know if everybody does but most people need uh, a catalyst to get that to get them moving a leader to follow a, a push to you know get out of the nest why not be that person? Why not be that catalyst or the leader or the person who gives them that that push? Because for for better or worse, most of us who have gotten to where we are, David, who have who are reaching thousands of people on and, and impacting the world, we can and and these are the dots that you're talking about. Most people can remember that catalyst that gave them the push. I mean, I know Miss Shaw, for example, I, that was. 12 13 14 years ago and i can i could walk into my high school and show you the exact room and where i was standing where it happened we remember the catalysts we don't remember all of the people who are just the vanilla the gray the bland in our lives we remember these catalysts and it, people like steve jobs or jim carrey who have done incredible things i mean Jim Carrey just said he remembered when he was 12 years old what happened to his dad and how it changed his life. That was the catalyst for him. We remember those those things. So why not why not be that catalyst so that we can have that same impact on on people's lives? You're sharing brilliance with me, David. I love it. Well, that's I'm getting what, inspired over here. <laughs> that's what we're here for, Ellery. So let, let me play my catalyst, because this is the speech of Steve Jobs. And I remember the moment this was given to me, and I read it, and I read it again. And I, then I left it for, you know, quite a while. And then I was in my drawer one day, and I saw it again. So when I started to get this, this show together, for some reason, it was there. It was in the back of my mind. And this is the powerful words that Steve Jobs spoke. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. 
So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. Now, to me now, the Jim Carrey speech and that are exactly the same message. It's just one is shorter. And what he's saying is we've all got to have faith. We've got to trust. We need to have intuition. And we don't have all the answers. So what Jim Carrey then says is you might as well take a risk on doing something that you love. And when you put the two of those together, then you have got a powerful blueprint for success. It's all down to you. It's down to the actions you take. It's down to those, once I say, stumbles and falls. But by moving on a path that you're not sure where it's going, it's got to, it's got to end somewhere, hasn't it, Ellery? It will, and it, it's interesting. You just, you're giving me all kinds of ideas over there 2,000 miles away or whatever. But, you know, you're, he is saying your dots, you'll, you'll be able to, if you look back, you can say, yeah, these dots clearly lead me to where I am today. And Jim Carrey is saying, if you can look back 10 years or when back to when you were 12, you, you, can, you can connect these dots. Why not make those cool dots? That's, that's insane. I mean, if, you, if you get to the age of 60, 70, 80 years old and you don't like the life that you have lived, you can look back over the last 40 years and see a bunch of crappy dots connecting one another. And it's a, it's a, it's a clear path that has gotten to where you are. At the same time, if you leave, lead this incredible life now, listening to this, not devil, but devil may care person, go out and try new things, thing, you, you're going to be the exact opposite, but you're going to have this incredible life at 80. You can still look back and say, hey, I have done all of these cool things, and these are all incredible dots that have gotten me here, and it's the exact opposite of the 80-year-old the who doesn't like their life, so why not make it cool? Why not do something interesting? This is an awesome podcast. I've never said that on as a guest on any show before, but this one's this is incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm honoured you say that, because I feel on literally all the shows, we're touching in on something. We're touching on... Um, it is inspiration, it is motivation, but there is a key point to all these shows, and I suppose it is, it's down to you. It's down to you. At the end of the day, oh, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want, you can listen to as many blogs as you want, you've got to find that thing that you feel inspired about. But at the end of the day, even if you find that, it's still up to you to do that. And I've never liked the podcasts that kind of almost preach I, I've always liked the ones where when I'm listening to it, I kind of think, yes, you know, it's like the Rocky music's playing in my, in my head <laughs> and I just feel like I'm going to go out and run and, and get fit and stop drinking and, and do all those kind of things. And I think with this show, what we're doing here, Ellery, is we're providing hope to people. And I do want the listeners to know that you, me, no one's got all the answers, but what we've got, we've got time to try to discover those answers and if we can discover those then ultimately you put enough of them together as you're doing in your platform you you will build a better life for yourself and I, that's what i think that's what people connect with david is it's not necessarily someone who has all of the answers but we like going on journeys with people we like uh, connecting with and relating to 
to their stories and and that's that's kind of what I feel like we're doing today. We're just sharing our story in these and I think we're having at least I am having some of these uh revolutionary moments that are very interesting and I can't wait to integrate them into into my message and what what I share with my audience too. Just we 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 love stories and love connecting with them. That's what Join Up Dots is about. Join Up Dots isn't about your journey, isn't about my journey. I think it's about connections. And if we can share that hope across the world, the, the image of my um, my podcast is actually a world with some dots going all the way around it. And I've said this one or two times on the show, but my first image was, wouldn't it be great if I could create something that would affect people across the world and we could all come together? And I kind of pushed that out of my mind because it was too big for me to deal with. And I thought, no, I can't. I don't even know how to record. I don't even know how to pull up a podcast i can't think about those kind of things but once you start getting a certain momentum that original sort of thought can take care of itself and it is just simply connections i've connected with you i've connected with all the other guests the listeners are connecting with us and together we 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 buy into whatever we are talking about and the world fingers crossed can become a better place but it's not going to happen just by one person thinking about it it's going to happen by all of us joining forces to try to make our, our worlds and our personal lives better absolutely i think i had jesus in me then i felt i felt all <laughs> i felt all inspired and powerful yeah 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 i was actually trying to find um i see i, I i've seen your logo i was trying to find a big big image because i want to want to download it and use it for something but i'll send it uh, to you i will send it straight across to you so just before we say goodbye to you and i really don't want to say goodbye to you Ellery, because i think this has been a great show um me the, too the end of the show is what we call a sermon on a mic and this is when i play the music and while the music's playing you are transported back in time to speak to your younger <laughs> self and if you did go back into this sort of younger world what kind of Ellery Wells would you like to talk to? Would it be the Ellery Wells as a four-year-old football player running around in Team C? Would it be the one with Miss Shaw in the theatre? Or would it be the one who's being sort of made redundant and trying to find their own path? So I'm going to play the music, and when it fades out, you're up. This is The Sermon on the Mic. The best bit of the show The Sermon on the Mic The Sermon on the Mic If I could go back in time, I would go back to whatever point where I started caring about what other people thought about me and tell myself to stop doing that. Don't even go down that path. Don't start worrying about what other people think about you and just do what what you want to do, what you're passionate about, what you're interested in. And I think that would probably be maybe eight or nine years old. And I would also tell myself when I when I start realizing what friends are and what connections are, I would tell that age Ellery that your network is too small when you get into your 20s and 30s your network is still too small you need to know more people connect with more people and start promoting them and and figuring out what they're interested in and helping them get it that's what I would say well I hope the little Ellery Wells is paying attention to that um how can people <laughs> connect with you all the listeners 
Sure. My website is elleriewells.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash elleriewells, Twitter at elleriewells, and I'm also on LinkedIn slash elleriewells. You can also uh, throw my podcast there. You can go to empoweredpodcast.com, and you can see all of my incredible guests there too as well. We will put all those links on the show notes. Ellery, thank you so much for spending time with us today, joining up those dots of your life. Please come back again when you have more dots to join up, because I believe that by joining up those dots and connecting our past, it's the very best way to build our futures. Ellery, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. It's It's been a, a revolutionary pleasure. Thank you, David. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once... Thanks for listening to today's episode of Join Up Dots, brought to you exclusively by podcastersmastery.com, the only resource that shows you how to create a show, build an income, and still have time for the life that you love. Check out podcastersmastery.com now. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once to become. So he's put together an amazing guide for you called the eight pieces of advice that every successful entrepreneur practices, including the two that changed his life. Head over to joinupdots.com to download this amazing guide for free. And we'll see you tomorrow on Join Up Dots.